Hey, welcome to Sleep With Me, the podcast that helps you fall asleep. We do it with a bedtime story that's made to take your mind off of the racing thoughts and worries and overthinking that a lot of us do when we get in bed. Pesky things like to-do lists, bills, insane co-workers, parents, children, anything that's going through your mind. This story's going to take your mind off of that. But as it goes on, it's going to get a little bit more and more boring. And soon, you're going to find yourself drifting off into sleep. If this is your first time here, just give it a try. That's all I ask. Now, you probably... If you're listening in your car or you're about to go for a run or something, now's probably not the time. Save this podcast for when you get home and get in bed. Pull up the covers. Shut out your lights. And then just start this podcast and see if it works. If you're interested in older episodes, you can find them on iTunes or on our website, www.sleepwithmepodcast.com. If you have any feedback, you're new or you've been around for a while, you want to say hi, you say, hey, what happened to uh, blah, 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 or, you know what, can you not swear so much, that's uh, bothering me, or swear more, whatever, I'll listen, feedback at sleepwithmepodcast.com is how you get me, or on Twitter at Dearest Scooter, I want to send out a big thank you to Jackie Marie Boochkin, Boochkin, I think is the uh, other screen name. Those two are uh, the latest reviewers on iTunes. I also want to say thank you to Rosie Palm and Shutterbug for reviewing me uh, the last couple months. I just want to say thank you. And if you have, go ahead and email me, feedback at sleepwithmepodcast.com, and I'll send you a link to a little uh, guided meditation. A little bonus uh, material that I recorded last month when I was doing those stints of guided meditations. And I can't exactly remember what this one was about, but I can tell you it's odd and strange. And I'm still looking to pick up uh, a couple more reviews for this month. So if you have a chance, you can either just use the stars or you can write something nice like Jackie Marie and Buchkin. But most of all, Thanks for just listening. We have a sacred deal here. I'm trying to help you fall asleep. So I hope I keep up my end of the bargain. Thanks. I'm happy to introduce another episode of After the Glass Slipper. The story of Cinderella, her stepmother, Agatha, her fairy godmother Penelope, and their friend Roland, and their adventures after Cinderella became princess. If you're, it's your first time listening and you want to catch up on older episodes, they'll be on iTunes or whatever podcast provider you're using, or at www.sleepwithmepodcast.com slash Glass Slipper. I believe that's called forward slash when we last left off. Up on the surface world, Roland was revealed as not a king in waiting, 
So the king tried to reclaim his rightful uh, his right his rightful his rightful throne, and then bursting out of the earth was the wizard pile with some sort of he was in some sort of water form, like some kind of water god. Deep below the earth, we had left Agatha in giant worm form, and she was working with some ET. Sick, pale E.T. aliens. Well, but they're not alien. Well, I don't want to say they're not aliens. They're creatures living somewhere inside of Earth. Which, you know, once I once we get the proof of this stuff, well, I guess this isn't our Earth, or is it? Anyway, I'm distracted. Like, she's dealing with these creatures that look a bit like E.T. Insectoid humanoid combo with terribly pale skin. So Agatha was working with these ET to ET types. They were telling her about this pool, giant pool of water that was coming from something strange, and they couldn't quite describe to her what the source of the water was. But they said the water was was not normal water. It, cut, it was it came in different colors and changed, and seemed to move against you know move of its own accord. They're pointing in all sorts of directions and. That was shooting up all these different holes, and and that it would make noises like "Why you are, why I'm going, ah, the baby," you know, kind of cryptic noises to them. But Agatha was like, "Okay, this is suspicious," and then she kind of set a baseline. I don't, I don't know if that's a proper use of that vocabulary word, but she's like, "Is any other water around here or down here behave similarly?" No, there's no other water down here that behaves like that's the only one. You know, we try to stay away from it. And so Agatha was thinking to herself, and she, you know, Agatha, this this is not a hard equation. Now, Agatha's not on the surface, so she doesn't know that pile and the well of work have seemed to fuse into one creature. But she's thinking, all right, I think I've tracked down the well of work, and I'm going to wipe this thing out. And if I, if pile happens to be working nearby it or down there, or associated in any matter. He's going to be collateral damage. She's pretty, you know, she's in the, somewhere in the mantle. One of the lower mantle, upper mantle. I don't know. I don't got a map. All right. But she's down there. And she's like, oh, well, I'm going to go hit a vein of lava or, you know, weaken some lava. Headed over the water and, you know, turn the water into steam or, you know, she figures she'll get some, she'll get some lava, or she'll drain the water to the lava. She she's not too worried about it. So she gets pretty good directions. She starts heading that way. And one thing you should know about uh, the difference between uh, giant worms, sandworms, and uh, tunneling worms like these, are that they're kind of a lot different than earthworms in the fact that. Earthworms need moisture to survive, at least in my very elementary knowledge of them, is that they, you know, they're kind of mucusy, slimy, and that's how they like it. And sometimes, you know, they get washed up in a rainstorm, and you got to help them out and get them in some, you know, unless you're a serial killer, come on, like help, or you're like some, uh, I don't know, whatever philosophy, you know, what are you, Adam Smith or something? You're going to just let them do I don't even know. You're the invisible hand. I, I and I'm talking nonsense. Clearly, 
just like last week. But, you know, those kind of worms, earthworms, near-earthworms, let's just call them uh, crustworms. Or earthworms, I guess. Why, why not? They, they need like a mucus, watery. Now, watery-type environment, that's what they thrive in. But these deeper worms, like Agathus turned into, they're the they're different. They like it dry, because they got to be tunneling through the earth. They're kind of doing a little corkscrew, and they don't really need you know like with their skin, their out exterior skins dry. Just just a note, just just to just so so she's tunneling, tunneling, trying to find this water source. She's listening for it. She kind of find she got a little bit of a worm sense now. So she's following her worm sense. She's trucking along at a good pace through the through, through this dirt and rock. She got they got she got these powerful high speed jaws that as she tunnels they're like these teeth. I can't describe it to you, but she's tunneling through this rock. It doesn't stand a chance. One of Mother Nature's miracles that may or may, I mean one of this yeah well it's Mother Nature in this well whatever. She's 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 tunneling through the trucking through this rock. And she's she's starting to get angry. She's like, I'm gonna mess this wizard pile up and this work she's like, Who does this work what well of work think it is, you know? What what a jerky well to be bossing around the fairy uh universe and just making them do stuff and she's still suspicious that someone's behind it. Some some shady type character. And she wants to literally get to the bottom of it. Now Suddenly she knows she's slowing down a little bit. Like if she was moving smooth, and she's like, "Oh, well, there's more moisture here," you know. So she's getting a little muddy. The mud's accumulating on her. Okay, I'm getting close to the well. The uh, wherever this water's pooled. So she's like, "All right, let me make a beeline for some hot lava or something." I must be close to this water. So she starts digging a little bit away from where she thinks it's wet, and it gets it gets wetter. She notices that uh, she's really, it's really struggling because the mud's caking on her. The rocks are caking to her. She's not a slimy worm. She's supposed to be a dry worm, Agatha. So she's going slow, and then she notices the water is almost like beating on her, like beads, B-E-A-D-S, not beat. Now she's really slow, and she almost feels like the water's like grabbing into the rocks and the mud and the dirt. And then she hears something in her little worm ears. Agatha, Agatha, it's I, Wizard Pile. She 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 would go, would go to turn her head, but since she's a worm, and she's underground, she, she's got can only can't you really can't turn your head. Need to tunnel that. Like, what is that? Well, this must be a my imagination. She tries to redouble her efforts to move. She's not going anywhere. Then she notices the water. You know, it seems like it's in her. It's everywhere. Agatha, we have you. Agatha. She notices the water starting to pool below her, along her worm belly. And. She's trying to, still trying to move. She can't. Well, it's the wizard pile. You gave me my power, you fool. Ah. And she notices, like, she's starting to sink in mud. And she, she, says, she remembers, like, when she was growing up about um, quicksand and 
people talking about people contradicting themselves as people tend to do about quicksand. Some people are saying don't move. Other people are saying just float. Other people are saying swim. Other people call for help. Uh, some people are like you better have sunscreen because you're going to be fine but you could get sunburned and that could be what does you in. And then she's sinking more and more and the next thing she knows she's falling. She's spinning and then boom she hits something and she goes goes out cold. And as she sleeps, she dreams the dreams of worms, of sandworms, and going deep into the desert for spice, snacking on sweet, sweet spice. And a blue-eyed devil named Kamal Glauchlan riding one of her ancestors. And then the joy of being tormenting lost souls in the uh, someplace between purgatory and heaven and hell. Those times. And then when she had it out for ranchers out in the country and she ate a few of them. Just other worm dreams. Like she, you know, you dream of being an earthworm. And of course, she has the nightmare just like we went over. Of like every earthworm that you caught on the sidewalk after a summer rainstorm. And either no one helps you, you get stepped on, bike, I mean, worst case scenario, bike runs over the middle of you while you're drying out, and something smooshed the middle of you, and you're dried and it's stuck to the sidewalk, and then you slowly, I don't, I don't want to get into that, it's a terrible nightmare. And then, she dreams she's at a, like earthworm comedy club, and she's trying to think of jokes, but it's a dream. So she's like making a lot of jokes about turtlenecks, and you know what's up with you guys with your turtlenecks and striped shirts? You got no necks. I don't know. You know some jokes that are funny though. We call a worm without a turtleneck. I don't know what do you. I mean, yeah. You're asking yourself the same question, right? I'm waiting for the punchline. That's not coming. So that then she starts to be like, man, am I dreaming? Because this is one lame dream. She comes to and she realizes that uh, she's still in worm form. She kind of moves around. She's like, okay, I'm in some kind of sand. And she's like, maybe I should turn myself back into a human. She kind of, she had the like, um, a wand in one of her her teeth that's not involved in the drilling but that's involved in like that's involved in like combing the nutrients that these worms eat off of the rock that keep them alive similar to like a a whale's what do you call that thing baleen or whatever the frick it is the basically the uh colander that the wet in the whale's mouth that catches you know stuff and the whale eats it to different plankton and zooplankton, phytoplankton. See, I know <laughs> I know more than one plankton. Ectoplankton. Uh, God bless you. Um, Harold Ramis, goodbye. That's for you, ectoplankton. That's, I'm sorry, that's probably depressing you if you heard it. So I'll probably just cut that out. Uh, ectoplankton. But yeah, so 
you know, wails it. So her, she has these teeth that kind of comb. It's little tiny uh, cilia-like teeth, because I like to use cilia in this podcast, that comb the different nutrients off the rocks. So she she had her wand in there, but now it's gone. So she's like, okay, I'm stuck in the worm. So she's kind of enjoying the sand. It's nice and soft. So she's stretching and itch, itching different itches, and she knows she's dried off. So she doesn't have to worry about that weird. She said, was that a dream with the, you know, about Pile the wizard and the water was taunting me? Or is that real? So I go, well, well, I got to figure out where the heck I am. So she starts to kind of probe around. And then she's like, okay. She's kind of getting a sense of this worm sense, which... Again, it's probably some kind of chambers in her body with like a, a certain liquid that's a certain density and air bubbles and, you know, synapses probably surrounding it, ganglias, throwing a couple uh, mitochondria. I don't know. But no, probably some kind of air bubble, you know, that tells her like what's up, what's down, you know, what where is there higher barometric pressure if there's barometric pressure under the earth. I don't know these answers. But she's using that sense. And also a little bit of, you know, worm magic. She's like, okay, I think the, uh, I sense, you know, some moisture this way. Probably the evil moisture. So she's like, gets, gets ready, stretches one more time, shakes her tail all the way down to the end. Looks kind of, you know, cute. And then boom, she goes to truck off. Right as she gives a heave-ho, she gets pulled back. She's like, what the heck? And she realizes she's got straps attached to her big... Because they have these tusks, teeth tusks, that she uses to drill. And there's like... um, The best I can tell you is like harnesses. It's like she's a dog or something. Giant dog. She's harnessed in. It becomes clear to her she's been captured. She tries to break free of her uh, chains. Can't do it. So she tries to test out, and she can, you know, move around pretty good in this, like, sand sand pit she's in. And she starts to probe and realizes it's pretty hard rock around her. And the only way to escape would be to rip her drilling teeth out, her drilling tusks. And then she wouldn't be able to get through this rock, probably bleed to death. So they got, I mean, whoever's got her pile, she's not sure. So she settles down, and she's trying to listen, and she starts to hear a lot of noise. Um, she notices some emotion stirring at one of the noises. It's very low noise for humans. just doesn't sound much. But... She's like, man, that noise is like, it's giving her chills. She feels like crying, or the worm version of crying, since she's pretty much moisture free. But she's like, huh. She gets a sense of like other worm, best guess, because Agatha was not full of compassion or empathy. But she's like, oh, I bet you there's some other worm suffering down here. Then she starts to like try to make this oh, and she taps her head on the side of some of the rock, and some of the you know crying stops, and she feels a creature tapping. 
So she said, huh, it's got to be some kind of worm, worm capture area. And then she senses someone's watching her. And she, she looks and she sees a, and you gotta, you're gonna ask, you gotta be asking yourself, how do worms see, especially in this situation? Because she's, tell us she's deep in sand, and you're gonna tell us now she's seeing clearly, right? Right, because she sees with uh, sonic, some sort of sonic vision. So, you know, blame it if you want to blame it on modern the Daredevil comic book. I think that dude, I never read it, but I'm pretty sure he was getting behind sonic vision. This is you know made by Mother Nature, so it's much more powerful. She can see everything, three dimensions, color in a different way than us. So quit asking your questions. They're good, intelligent questions. Congratulations. But that's how she sees sonically. Or whatever, sonarily. Whatever, I don't know. But anyhow, so she sees this dude coming at her. And he's a, looks like a seahorse. Like a, a, it's a humanoid seahorse. So she sees him, and he, he comes, and he taps her on her on her face, her worm hole, you know, where the, her different, her triangle of worm mouths come together. Ah, you're a feisty one, you are. Yeah, you'll make a good one for the arena. She's like, what do we got here, like some sort of worm gladiator? Situation, he's gonna make me into a worm gladiator. Ah, he goes, I sense you can hear me. Balakwaka. And she says, What the fuck does Balakwaka mean? And he goes, Oh, you are not one of the ancients. You must be a young one. You're large for something so young. Ah, I think I found this special one. You would do just fine. You will wait. We will introduce you soon in the arena today. And he swims off. I mean, in swims, I'm using, you know, he swims in sand. He's a sand horse, not a seahorse. If you want to get technical, he's not even a sand horse. He's like a sand horse man. So he swims off, the sand horse man. And she's thinking, great. I'm in some sort of gladiator, probably, situation. I'm going to have to f- kill some other worms and figure out a way to make a break for it. And then she, she goes, like, okay, I'm going to rest. So she starts to rest, and she kind of drifts off and sleep. And next thing she knows, she feels some of the tugging. She feels herself being dragged by her her things to the, like somewhere. And then, boom, she breaks through the surface, and she's surrounded in this arena with Tens of thousands of sea, well, maybe not tens of thousands. Let's say thousands of seahorse, sandhorse people, kids, mostly, like a lot of kids, a lot of families, and sandhorse people seem to be a little bit bigger than nuclear families. So you're looking at like two sandhorse parents with like eight to twelve sand kids, and they're everywhere. They're cheering, and she breaks through the surface, and then she sees the dude from below and he's got a microphone he's standing on like in front of all the people right at the side of the the amphitheater and she's kind of in like a sand pool and they're all out of the sand sitting in an open air like looking down at the sand pool he's like, 
And this is translation, but he said, Ladies and gentlemen, I, we have a special opportunity here at Sandworld to introduce you to the newest member of our flock, Yankee the Sandworm. Everybody starts cheering, and Agatha's just kind of looking like, waiting, you know, am I going to fight? Are they going to have sandworms fight in front of these two, these all these little kids? And the kids have, like, pennants and... And sand corn, pop, popped sand corn, and sand cream, iced sand cream, you know, the whole nine yards. Uh, merchandise, property of uh, Sandworld Enterprises, LLC. So they're all cheering. And she's like, and he's like, ladies and gentlemen, this is a, just the newest member of our We just wanted to say hi, but we're going to teach her some new tricks, and we're going to have a whole new show. Next, next season here at Sandworld. So everybody say, say hello. Say one more big hello and welcome to Yankee. And everybody cheers again. And all of a sudden there's like a boom. And like one of the walls explodes. And then these other sand people come flying through there. And then one guy jumps down. Knocks the uh, mic out of this, the guy's hand who's speaking. And this guy's like, he's got like a black type ninja suit on with a headband. He had sunglasses and the other people, they look like a militia. They grab it like, I go, well, we're, we're setting this sandworm free. And there's a couple of the people that came in with them, they slash Agatha's bounds. And they're like, what? This set. This place steals sandworms from the sand families. Look at you, Sam. What kind of kind of sand horse men and women are you? You raise your children. You keep them close. You keep them safe. And we just want the same for the sandworms. We will have justice. Sandworm justice. Sandworm justice. Now, most of the people are just staring at this dude because... They paid about the equivalent of 78 U.S. bucks just to get into Sand World. And I didn't even tell you about the rides, but they suck. It's just mostly shows. All of a sudden, their show's getting busted out. They're getting judged. But the guy's got a point, man. Agatha doesn't know the play to the sandworm, but it's not pleasant. I mean, you've seen Dune, Tremors, Beetlejuice. Sandworms have never been treated fairly in our culture, so just think about a culture that has them down deep, especially like a seahorse uh, type. You know, you know about seahorses, man. They're jerks. So sand horses mixed with humans? Whew, judgment city, man. And, yeah, they're going to try to dominate everybody. So these sandworm, um, it's like, you know, sandworm liberation army. I mean, it's not because that's just too obvious, but they got some cool name like... Uh, they're like, Yankee, let's get you the frickin' frick out of here. And then they blow a hole in, in the bottom of the pool. And Agatha drains out. Whoosh, she's free. Ish. 